I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is award-winning author and senior distinguished writer-in-residence in in the Department of Writing and Literature at uh, Emerson College, Jessica Treadway. Her new book is The Gretchen Question. A single mother torn between protecting her only child or revealing herself fully to the people she loves most, Roberta finds herself at war with conflicting loyalties, the increasing betrayal by her own body, the confused love she feels for her oldest friend, and a trauma from her past that casts a deep and possibly permanent shadow, not only over her own life, but over the legacy she will bestow upon her son. Portraying the most intense and even shameful moments of motherhood and the things we leave unsaid, even to those we want to most to hear them, Jessica Treadway's novel is also a celebration of one woman's private reckoning with the source of her life's most profound pain as well as its greatest pleasure. Her writing has been featured in the Boston Globe, the Chicago Tribune, Glamour, and Huff Post. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Nice to have you on. Thanks so much, Catherine. I'm very happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. And as we discussed for a few seconds before we got on the show, we come from the same place. I finally met somebody else uh, from <laughs> Slingerlands that I get to interview on the show. But you also you went to U Albany, as did I, as a grad yes, student. Yes, I did. And I went to uh, undergraduate. As an undergrad. Yeah, and I I went as an under I went as a graduate MSW. But then you went to Boston University, where I went as a graduate. I went as an undergrad and a graduate oh, student. Oh, so we, as well. we flipped. Yeah, we flipped. We come from the same place. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, but I think you're a little younger than I. Uh, But besides that. I don't know. I graduated from SUNY in December of 82, so technically the class of 83. 83. Well, I was an older student as a graduate student in the class of 83 at SUNY. So, we probably were there at the same time. We probably crossed each other on campus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess my first, maybe the first question is related. I mean, your book has gotten all kinds of accolades. And um, one of the the um, testimonials by Julia Glass sort of, I, I thought, was really um, kind of described the book, spellbinding, utterly deceptive in its brevity, Jessica Treadway's novel packs into a single day one of the most haunting stories I've ever read about the price we pay for the secrets we keep. So I'm, um, I think that's a fascinating topic to begin with. So sort of introduce us to the book uh, with um, talking about that, the price we pay for the secrets we keep, because that is, I think, what describes the book, um, to me anyway, very well. Sure, um, and I was very grateful for that that quote from Julia Glass, who's writing I admire very much. Um, I guess to, to describe what actually happens in the book, uh, uh, without giving too much away, kind of the elevator pitch, it, it is a, a single day in the life of a woman named Roberta, who is kind of forced to reevaluate whether she made the right decision kind of many years ago not to tell her son anything about uh, his biological father. And the son's 18 now, and he's gone off to college. And he stopped speaking to her because he's so angry about her keeping this information from him. She has always told him, I can't tell you, I don't know, and has constructed this 
fiction of her own about where he came from. But he, as a teenager, has come to to believe and to realize that you know he he that he doesn't think that's the case. He thinks that she is indeed as she is, withholding uh, information from him. So, so that on top of a crisis she's having with her health is what leads to everything that happens on this particular day. And on this day, she goes about her ordinary business that ends up uh, kind of not being so ordinary, um, especially at the end. And um, I don't know if you want me to talk about what inspired the fact that it was just on a single day or not, but I was, um, I was also at the time I thought about this character and what might lead to this book, rereading um, Mrs. Dalloway which also takes place in a single day. And so I, I wrote it kind of with that in mind. Uh, in both books, you know, the, these women start off on ordinary errands. In, in Mrs. Dalloway, it's Mrs. Dalloway said she would buy the flowers herself. And so that was very much in my mind when I wrote the first line of my, my own book. And to my mind, they're, they're both kind of books about women who um, go out into the world and encounter people, um, and and witness things that trigger memories from their past, and so that by the end of the day, they they have a better understanding about who they are and about their own lives. So that's maybe a bigger nutshell than you would have wanted, but that is kind of um, how I see the book. Yeah, and I think one of the other things that, um, and I don't know who pointed this out, but that uh, which goes along with the day in the life of, but every choice that we make has consequences. Yes, and that's kind of, um, you know, she's she's made this big choice years ago, but but, uh, then there are these kind of smaller encounters that she has, and because of, maybe because of the condition of her health, you know, they become all the more salient to her on this particular day. I mean, I didn't necessarily sit down and say, okay, this is going to be one of my themes, you know, about consequences, but I, I hope that that's something that the book ends up being about. And you decided to write, and you've written both, novels uh, what four novels and this is my fourth that's right this is your fourth novel uh, my question is why the choice for writing novels why do you what have you made the choice for writing mo- novels or what has inspired you to do that as opposed to a different uh, genre? genre yeah, yeah I, exactly I, I do actually have two books of short stories out my first book was a collection as well and in fact I when I started out both um, as an undergrad at Tootie and then going to BU for um, creative writing, I actually thought of myself as a, as a story writer and didn't think of myself as a novelist at all. Um, my first novel was actually an expansion of the first story that I ever had published. And I think it was, in that case, just the case that I thought I wasn't finished with those characters or what had happened. In fact, that was based on a, on a crime that happened in... Um, in, in our hometown there, um, or nearby in the, in the town of Bethlehem. And uh, so, of course, it's a fictional rendering of it. But um, I just kind of wasn't ready to leave those characters behind. So I think it's – and this, this new novel, The Gretchen Question, is a shorter one. It's, it's about 250 pages, and it's the shortest one I've ever written. Um, and maybe because it takes place in a day, it might occupy a – a space between a, a long story and a short novel, but um, I think I think ultimately any writer chooses the form just based on you know what it is that they want to convey um, and and what experience they hope the reader will have at, at the end of it. Well, having gone to you Albany, uh, uh, probably at the same time you did, uh, were, were there any professors there in the undergraduate program or in, in your program that that did? 
inspire you that that I mean, you you don't wake up in the morning and say, "I'm going to be a writer," do you? I've got you go to college, you take English. Do how does that? I really well, uh, I actually knew from the time yeah. I was very young that I that I wanted to do that, and I think that was um, because I had the the fortunate experience of my mother, you know, always reading to us when we were younger. But um, so I always wanted to. I, I always knew that's what I wanted to do. I did actually. Uh, I didn't get to study with William Kennedy, but uh, Eugene Mirabelli uh, was a professor there, and he actually allowed me into his um, his graduate workshop, one of his graduate workshops. Uh, I, I'm guessing I was a senior at the time. Um, don't remember exactly what year it was. So that was really a great experience and gave me a um, you know a, a look at what it would be to be in workshops with people and talk about our work. And uh, but no, I've been lucky. I've I've been lucky in that I've always known it's what I wanted to do, so I didn't have to go through any of the you know the the angst of trying to figure that out. But you say you, I'm always curious because yes, there are so many people that, many people that I know, they want to be a writer. They think they're good writers. You know, they even, before they go to college, this is, you know, this is their ambition. This is what they plan to do, but Mm -hmm. they really don't have the talent. It's one thing to say, oh, I like doing it. And my mother, my mother read to me too, but I could never be a writer. (laughs) And so where does, where does that really come from? Because you have to combine the talent with, as you say, opportunity, you're lucky. It's a whole combination of things, but um well, and I think, not, not to interrupt, I, I think yeah. maybe you develop the talent as you do it. So I'm actually wondering if, and maybe this is your bailiwick being a social worker and you know better, <laughs> but I think maybe it's a drive or a motivation that might um, lead to, if you practice it more, I think you probably would develop a talent. And I mean, as precious as it might sound to say, I just, um, not only could I not imagine doing something else, but I couldn't imagine not doing this. My guess is that people who say they want to be writers and then don't write can actually imagine and be quite happy doing something else. <laughs> so I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's, it's almost like a, a, an imperative, you know, that, that comes from within that um, just this impulse to inhabit um, other people uh, that comes for me from, you know, observing what goes on around me in the world, observing people, wondering what it must like to be that person. Um, it's almost, you know, you've probably heard writers say they write to find out what they don't know. Um, and, and that's definitely true of me. I, if I can't imagine what it's like to be someone, then it helps me to be able to write about someone and, and imagine my way in. Even though, of course, you know, you, you, you can never be sure that, it's, that that's what it's like to be inside the person who's your model. But, um, but anyway, that's, that's how I think of it. So in the process, like when you started, because a lot of writers uh, in, uh, the, that I've had on the show, you know, they send their stuff out and they send, they get rejection, 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 but they keep on going. What was your experience? Mm-hmm. Oh, I too, um, you know, got many rejections, still do, still, I mean, still <laughs> definitely get them. It's in a different form now because it used to be, you know, sending off a copy of your manuscript in the envelope along with an envelope for the return response. And now, even though a few places still do it that way, um, it's mostly electronic even when it comes to book manuscripts. Um, so that's just one of the things that's changed. But the fact of rejection hasn't changed, at least for me. I was lucky that I did, I was, I, I did, was able to publish my first story um, the fall that I started graduate school. So at least I did have that kind of outside confirmation. But then my first collection, I think, was published right after I was 30. And so, again, it wasn't, it, 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 it couldn't, 
I guess, I guess for me and others who have to do it, again, I know that might sound precious, but um, we certainly don't like getting rejection, but it doesn't discourage us from doing it. I think in, in, it might even spur us on to, um, to keep trying or to keep improving. I mean, when I get rejections, I certainly think, okay, well, how, maybe I could make that story better. Um, and sometimes it makes me look at it and... Um, you know, the book process of writing a book is often a somewhat collaborative one once you turn in a draft. You know, both your agent and your editor might make suggestions that you are usually free to take or, or leave. But um, so, again, that's, it's, I think it's the experience of all the writers I know that rejection uh, happens all along the way. It's, it's, it's just part of the whole it's part of the business. That's the business. That's what it is. But you, as I'm yeah. listening to you, it sounds like you really are. This, I'm a writer. That's who I am. And when I get re- a rejection, it's a challenge for me. It's, I don't run away from it. I just face it head on. And I'm, it, as I say, it's a challenge. So, Well, um, I'm lucky because I do have, you know, it's not my only experience. I think it probably would be quite demoralizing to have that be, you know, the, the experience all, always or all along, and, and I can't say for myself that I would have continued to do it. I think I would, but I only have my own experience, which is that there have been enough um, acceptances along the way that I feel like, okay, this is the course to pursue. So where does Roberta chase? She's the character in the book. Where does she come from? Yeah. Does she come from you? Are there lots of parts of Roberta that are parts of you or that in your own life, or is, is she more or removed from that? She she is more removed. I'll tell you, the only thing, I had the situation first before I had the character because I had been asked uh, on a beautiful summer day to do the same uh, chore, the same favor that her friend asked her to do, which is to, this very ordinary chore of driving to her house and moving her recycling and garbage bins back um, because she was on vacation. So um, I just... It was such a very beautiful day. There was it was a um, I was able to do it on my lunch hour short short drive. I could help a friend, and I remember thinking, you know, there's absolutely nothing, there's no downside to doing this right now. And because I'm a writer, uh, I assume that this is why, uh, you know, I automatic I had the automatic thought, well, how could I complicate this and make it into an actual story? So, you know, which is ultimately the story of a woman who sets out on a series of errands on a given day and then faces complications. So I did have to discover the character um, to fit the situation. Um, the one thing that we do have in common, and that's because this was on my mind when um, when I wrote it, was I was a few months out from uh, the cancer treatments, which, you know, as of now, I, I think things are fine, I'm happy to say. Um, and uh, so, so mortality was on my mind, and also the idea of, um, you know, when you, if it does come to the point that you don't have uh, much time and you have kept a secret, and I don't have such a secret myself, but at least not that I know of. That was going to be my you, next question. What's the yeah, secret? Yeah, maybe you would What's know better secret? being yeah. a social worker. And, um, <laughs> but I, 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 it's not that I... Uh, her secret is not my secret. I don't know anybody who's had the experience that she has. And to be honest, I actually don't remember the process of deciding exactly uh, how she came to be uh, in the position that she is. I remember writing the scenes, but I, you know, I don't remember the exact, um, you know, process of thinking of one thing, rejecting another, and then, you know, I think that's just all something that happens while we're writing. So, um, so I would say. She doesn't really resemble me all that much um, 
except for the situation, I think, that we had. Um, I gave her the same kind of cancer that I have. So I think, but other than that, I think psychically we're, we're, we're quite different. Well, you can, you can tell us what kind of cancer it is without... Oh, yeah, giving... it was um, endometrial cancer, okay. um, which I guess doesn't have that much. I did once write a story um, long ago about a woman who had um, cancer of the womb, and somebody says, do you think that's because you didn't have children? So um, that in that story, it had a more thematic element. I don't think it's particularly relevant here, but it's just because I, I knew it that I used it. What about now the pandemic, the COVID nineteen? Has that mm-hmm. impacted you? Of course, as a as an individual, but as a, as a writer, in terms, or has it inspired you to write well to write something about it, or to another novel, or or how has it impacted your writing? Yeah, it's it's funny. I think the, I think the answer that anybody would give to that question about <laughs> how, how the <laughs> pandemic has affected them would be an interesting one. I don't know if mine is, but I think it's hard for me. It's a little hard for me to separate what would be my experience anyway, because sometimes, especially when a when my one of my books has just come out. Not that I have a whole lot of experience, but you know, I, I'm I'm um, doing things for that book ra- rather than. Uh, you know, working on a new one. I, I do have some projects. I did find at the beginning of all this in March and April that it was extremely hard to concentrate, and I've definitely heard that from other people, other writers and just people in general. Um, it still feels that way, although I've been able to get to a point where it's it's a relief to, to escape into being able to focus on something. And the, I haven't no, I haven't thought about writing about this time. I heard someone say that they thought the best things about this time will come somewhat later, you know, when people know more and they've been able to absorb and digest, you know, what the experience has been. But um, but one thing I do think, if I'm, if I tr- I've been trying to put a positive spin on it, I don't know... Uh, I don't know much about whether or how this has affected the publishing industry, but if it's the case that, like other industries, it's it's um, taken a hit in some way, then in some ways that's a little bit more freedom to write something. If you know, if I if I'm not thinking, if someone isn't thinking, oh, will this sell? Will I be able to place this? Um, it, it it can just give you more. Um, you know, more of a canvas to work with. If if you kind of say to yourself, well. Maybe nobody will read this. Let's see what I can do. That's a little bit how I started this book. I just said to myself, I don't know if this is the kind of book that anybody would want to read, but I'll just see where it goes. But you had you wanted to write it. That was it, and you were yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I just yeah. I I was interested. I mean, I just sat down. I often just, especially at the beginning of something, just sit out, sit and write longhand. And I did have the first line in my head, even from that drive to my uh, friend's house. Um, and, and it's very much a process of discovery, line by line, at least for me, at the beginning. I mean, later when you have the character and you have the story, you know, then it's, it's more of a conscious, um, you know, consider, trying to think things out and make sense of them and be logical. But I don't, have, I don't feel that I have to do that at the beginning because I just like to see where it goes. And it's, that makes it exciting. I feel very lucky that this is my work. <laughs> you are lucky it is your work and it's who you are and it's what you love to do. Uh, and for, just from a practical point of view, because I had interviewed, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago, one of the, uh, no, actually it was when the pandemic, when we first had to actually quarantine or it was rec- recommended that we self-quarantine, um, like mm-hmm. book tours, that that was a 
in terms of promoting the book, it was kind of a diff- more difficult thing to do because you can't go across and go to tours and go to bookstores and stuff. I don't know if you're doing that now or what is yes well actually i've been lucky because i actually have my virtual launch it was i was supposed to do an in-person one last week and that had to be canceled but we are doing it tomorrow night actually um through it's through a local bookstore here in boston but the fact that it's virtual means that you know anybody can can come and so i actually am going to have the great experience of having you know my mother and my sisters and my <laughs> my relatives and friends that don't live in the area and couldn't come to something physically are going to be able to check in and come to it. So that's actually been, that's that's a wonderful part. It's certainly not the same experience as being in the same room and being able to talk to people afterward, you know, and before and see them in person and give hugs, uh, <laughs> receive hugs. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people who've gone out of their way both bookstores and, um, you know, various writers who have started platforms to, to allow people to do this when they can't do it physically. So that's been, that's been a really nice thing that's come up. What about support? Do you get a lot of support for what you do and have, and have you gotten a lot of support in the past, like even in the beginning? Oh, this is as a, and also maybe the other side of that, um, people who stand in your way and say, mm, forget it, you can't do it. Well, yeah, I don't have any of the latter because I. I and that's I, I good. Mean, I, yeah, I feel very, very lucky about that. My mother was my earliest supporter and uh, never said to me, you know, this isn't practical or not many people can make a living that way. And I don't make a living writing my books. I make my living teaching, but and very few people do make it, you know, just through the writing. But um, so I've always I've had it from the beginning, and I have have definitely felt lucky about that because I know people who were discouraged early on from things. You know, by well-intentioned parents who thought that it would be better to pursue something, you know, that you could actually have a job at. So I've always been grateful to my mother for that. And, you know, because I'm in a college community uh, with the people that I work with and students um, and friends, I mean, every, you know, they all know what I do. And, and um, I can't think of anyone who isn't supportive. I don't think I would, you know, surround myself with people like that or last very long in the company of someone like that. Yeah. So, again, another way that, uh, that I've been lucky. What about your students? Like, you have students in your class, obviously. Some are talented. Some perhaps shouldn't be writing. Maybe they should own a bookstore. Uh, there are other <laughs> options. But uh, what, what, what do you say to your students? How do you handle those students? Do you see somebody say, oh, this person really has talent? And what do you, how do you? Well, um, it's, it's, you know, it's funny to the other ones that, you know, you might say, oh, I, this person doesn't, which is now not, I, I learned early on that uh, anybody can surprise you, and I remember distinctly having a particular student who I didn't think her work was, was very good, and she even pushed me on it and came one day at, at office hours and said, and she was a grad student, you know, should I do this, which of course I can't answer directly for her, but she did keep writing, and she did end up publishing. I don't know how much, but I just remember thinking, well, this is not for me to say to anyone, you know, um, that you shouldn't be doing this. But um, for the ones who are uh, very good, it's always um, – usually what goes along with that is the same kind of drive and motivation that I feel myself, so I don't worry about them being able to um, – keep going. And most of us, at least in my department, will do whatever we can to help those students in terms of, you know, whether it's introducing them to our agents or sending stories. I don't do this myself, but I have colleagues who do because I don't have that many 
editorial relationships at journals, but some who do will, you know, actually send work on. So, um, you know, because people did similar things for us, uh, or at least believed in us at that time. So it's a nice thing to be able to pass on. Yeah, I think it's important. We only have a few minutes left, but just uh, I know you went to... You lived here in in Albany and in Bethlehem, where what my one of my oldest sons, who is a a, a filmmaker, and I in high school, one of his teachers actually called me up and said she wanted to talk about uh, Daniel because he uh, is in her uh, painting class, and she said, you know, you really need to understand that he has talent, and I'd really and, and sort of pointed me in different directions of where she thought he could go which was actually oh, the dual great. degree. Yeah, and that, that was really key. I'm not so sure that I would have, um, if, if she hadn't done that, I mean, they, you know, there's a dual degree program at Tufts. I think you taught there, right, at some point? I taught at um, Tufts, yeah, uh, for undergrad yeah. Um, in the English department, but that that's a wonderful place to be. That's great. Yeah, you can get an, an, a BFA and a, uh, just in a, BA degree, which, uh, but oh, wow. I was just thinking about that, you as a professor, and how meaningful that was that, that this teacher did this and really helped point him and me in terms of guiding him in the right direction. So that, uh, that's wonderful. I mean, by the time I get them, even they're at least undergrads, but mostly I teach graduate students, so they, <laughs> um, they know, they, yeah. they, maybe they've had that kind of guidance before, but not always. I mean, I think you're right. I think, I think we all need, well, I'll speak for myself, I all need people who, um, you know, kind of uh, appreciate or recognize that we are trying to we, we are take us seriously. That's a, that's a better way to put it, and um, and support us. So, if I can do that for my students, it makes me very gratified. Yeah, I was uh, now we we actually have three minutes left, so let's sure. make sure that we have the websites that we can go to uh, to learn more about you and and. Not only this book, but you've written four novels aside from the other stories you've written. So I'm sure that uh, uh, you know listeners would be interested in those those uh, books as well. Oh, that's very nice. It's um, JessicaTreadway.com. It's pretty that's simple, it? and I do I do have <laughs> info on there. Yes, thanks for asking. All right, that's easy. Usually I have a whole litany, a list of like websites that people can go to. So that's great. Oh no, I, I wouldn't yeah. know what to put on a, another. <laughs> it's all it's all right there, as far as I know. Um, well, it's been great talking to you today. And uh, if you get oh, back you. to Albany, I'm going to be here for a while. I go back and forth from Albany to New York City, but I think I'm going to be here in Albany or Slingerlands probably for longer than I had thought. But oh, I'm sure. Yes, I do. I do come back sometimes to visit my mother. I mean, we're all being a lot more careful these days. But uh, it's yeah. very nice to know you're there, and I really appreciate um, appreciate your time and your questions and your interest. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Jessica Tread. Treadway, and her book is The Gretchen Question, and you just have to go to her website, and you can buy the book, I assume, online, of course, and bookstores everywhere? Yes, as far as I know. (laughs) Yep, great, good. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you so much. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 